This is Tiger Hall. Hello everyone. I'm so glad you're tuning in for this conversation with Marianne Cooper. We had a question from a listener who wasn't sure how to handle sexist and ageist comments at work. And we felt Marianne was just the most perfect person to offer some advice. She approached the question with a really practical academic lens and offered such solid advice. Before we get into this, if you have a workplace problem and you're not sure how to solve it or who to ask, and you'd like us to ask someone amazing like Marianne for advice on your behalf, you can email us at ask at and we'll keep you completely anonymous. Here's this week's question and Marianne's advice. I'm 25 and I work in tech. I'm one of the youngest in the company and in my team, one of the few women. I regularly struggle with some sort of sexism or ageism, mainly comments from middle-aged white men interrupting me in meetings, mansplaining things, undermining me, and sometimes even making comments about my appearance. It's just lots of small comments, but it's really getting to me. I would love some advice for how to handle this without making myself unpopular. Well, to answer this listener question, we've got none other than Marianne Cooper, Marianne is a senior research scholar at Stanford University, where she researches gender, women's leadership, and diversity and inclusion. She was the lead researcher for Sheryl Sandberg's best-selling book, Lean In, and she's an author on all of the Lean In and McKinsey Women in the Workplace reports. Marianne, what's your advice to this person? Oh, yeah, that's a lot. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm sorry to hear about it, but I know it's all too common. So, um, just to name what she's experiencing, it's called being an only. And if you're the only woman or the only you know person of color in a group of people, especially for for women, if it's in like a masculinized occupation like tech, you typically stand out. And that kind of unleashes a whole host of dynamics. But uh, but what we've been finding over the years that I, I've been wor- working on the Women in the Workplace report, which is a, a collaboration between Lena.org and McKinsey. But what we found year after year is that onlys have a much more difficult experience at work. So their competence is called into question. Um, they hear comment like negative comments about their appearance, things like that. So what's hard about this is the only way to make yourself not an only is for more women or more folks of color to be on your team, which is often outside your control. So that's more of a, at the company or organization level, really thinking about not having people be so isolated in that way, because it can make make people much more visible than they otherwise might be. I think my strategic and pragmatic advice for her would be to find a confidant on the team, if possible, and just explain and just say, you can say, these are my observations, but I'd like you to see what you observe over the next two weeks. And then maybe we could talk about it because what she needs is someone more senior with more power and influence to validate, to see and validate what she's experiencing, because then they may be in more of a position to do something about it. It is a little risky if there is no one on your team that can do that for you and that you don't have that level level of comfort with, then it becomes like in a one-on-one situation, just saying, well, you just interrupted me. So I'm going to finish what I was saying. There's like in the moment things you can do or arming yourself with things you can do. If someone talks about your appearance, be like, it makes me really uncomfortable that you talk about my appearance because I noticed you're not talking about anybody else's appearance. Now, that requires a lot more risk. 
so there's things in everyday interactions, but my my hope would be that there's someone, even if it's not on the team, and that someone who's senior enough who interacts with the team who can see that. Otherwise, you might have to leave that team if it becomes too difficult and you feel mm-hmm. like you're not really being valued and recognized and it's undermining your sort of day-to-day experience at work. But this is super common. I mean, it's it's incredibly common. Um, and again, it's the onus on the organization to make sure that teams and leaders understand what microaggressions really are so that they can see them happening um, and that you know, work can be done to make sure that they don't happen or when they do, that people are able to sort of talk about it and move forward and reduce it from happening so much. A shame for that team, eh? if they could potentially lose her if this problem isn't solved. Hey, sorry to so rudely interrupt my own conversation, but I just wanted to let you know that this is a Tiger Hall podcast. Tiger Hall is the world's leading social learning platform, and we have hundreds of interviews just like this with amazing senior business leaders from around the world. These can all be accessed via the Tiger Hall app, which is free to download. You get free content every month and new stuff is uploaded every workday. I hope to see you there. Well, half the women who start out in tech leave. So this is happening for a variety of reasons, but often because this is hap- this kind of stuff is happening. And one time, it's maybe not a big deal. Multiple times a week, it starts to be a big deal. And the other thing that's sort of maddening about it is it's often subtle, right? So it's yeah. it sort of flies under the radar unless you are on the receiving end of it. And so broadly, these are these are microaggressions, right? That they're usually, though, uh, fall along the lines of power and inequality. So the people who are engaging in microaggressions and these kinds of behaviors, they're they're more often going to be men and they're more often going to be white people. Um, and then, you know, people who are on the kind of receiving end of it are the people who are on the receiving end of inequality. And so it just, what it shows though, is that we are not sort of in this meritocratic system where everyone's being treated the same and everyone's having the same experience at work. We're having vastly different experiences at work. So I think at a minimum, just acknowledging to her that this is, it's super frustrating and not good that this happens, but it's very common. And there are a few different strategies to pursue. But in the ideal world, there would just be someone she could go to and explain what's happening. And they would be like, yeah, let's try to work on that. Hmm. It's one of those death by a thousand paper cuts sort of situations, right? No major incident where you can go to HR and say, look, this happened. It's it's all the little things that maybe, you know, you think you start thinking, God, am I being too sensitive? Am I? Yeah. Well, that's the going back to the incident and thinking it over and over and being like, wait, is is this happening to me because I'm I'm a, I'm a woman? Is this happening to me because mm-hmm. I'm an immigrant? Is this happening to me because I'm black? Like those that's part of the way in which it kind of grinds you down. And then you over time realize actually it is because they're not doing it to other people in the same way they're doing it to me. Um, And it just, I mean, it it just leads you to feel like there's not equal opportunity because there isn't. And then it's, it's just really, it's really difficult. So if there's a team that has more women on it, maybe move if if you can, because the more Mm. women or, or more, the more diverse the team, the less any individual person stands out and the less these kinds of dynamics can, can happen. It doesn't mean they don't happen. It just means it can, it reduces the odds. Mm. Yeah. So if you can't move and if you can't make yourself heard, just be brutally 
honest in your exit interview, maybe? Yeah. <laughs> this is why I'm well, leaving. Well, that's what's so hard about all of this stuff is, you know, at what cost? And I, I, I talk to a lot of women who, you know, more egregious stuff that they've experienced. And the sad truth is that when you make it public or when you come forward, it is more often than not the case that you receive pushback for it. And to give people that feedback is not great. I think we have a sense that things are fairer than they really are sometimes or that there's a process in place that people can turn to, but usually there's not. And even when you speak up, you get shut shut up pretty quickly. So that's that's also on leaders too, which is to really understand the, the reason why white men occupy leadership positions and are, are sort of at the most senior levels of most organizations. I mean, there's sort of two reasons. Either white men work harder and are smarter than everybody else or something else is going on. And all the research shows that something else is going on. And if you're not doing stuff in your organizations to address all that something else, then your organization isn't as meritocratic as you want it to be. Great advice, Marianne. Thank you so much. Sure, thank you. You've been listening to Ask Tiger Hall. If you have a workplace problem and you're not sure how to solve it or who to ask, we've got you. Simply email ask at tigerhall.com. That's A-S-K at tigerhall.com. And we'll find a brilliant senior business leader to offer you some advice. Don't worry, we'll keep it completely anonymous. You've been listening to a Tiger Hall podcast. Quick favor. If you like this content, please hit the subscribe button so you never miss a new upload from us. And of course, if you're hungry for more, and why wouldn't you be, don't forget to download the Tiger Hall app for hundreds more just like this.